Testing one, two, three. Am I on? Sounds like I am. Good and loud. You know the last time I think I heard you sing that. Do you have any idea? It was, at, it was in Sioux Falls at our church. I think Amber Wood was on the group. And you led a group up to our church from Heartland and um, a singing group. Was that Witness? Would that have been Witness? And I asked you to sing that song then too. So that's been, what has that been, five years now? Over 20 years ago. So I thought it was time that he sang that again, amen? At least for, for me. You guys may have heard it before, I'm not sure. Hey, be opening your Bibles. We're going to be in, um, some people like to call it uh, two kings, but I call it second kings. Uh, open your Bible to second kings chapter six and be finding your place there. <clears throat> And again, I'll just, I'll just say this. It's been a blessing to be with your church. I love the spirit of your church. I was talking to Brother Tim uh, after the morning service, and we were talking how easy it is to preach to this, these people. And, um, I mean, there wasn't one rotten tomato thrown um, this morning at all. I thought that was a, that was a good mark, amen. And, uh, but you guys really have a, you really have a good uh, spirit about you, and I so enjoy it, and I appreciate it so much. And since Brother Tim brought it up, I might as well share with you. You know, I'm from, um, I'm from El Paso now, El Paso, Texas, and it's hot and dry there. And do you know how dry it is in El Paso, Texas? You want to know how dry it is? It is so dry. Let's see if I can get all of them in a row. Let's see. The Baptists have gone to sprinkling. The Lutherans and Methodists have gone using wet wipes. And uh, the Catholics are praying that the wine will turn back into water. <laughs> now, that's pretty dry. Pretty dry. Brother Tim was telling me about the rain you guys get here. Just huge downpours. Not. Just sprinkles. And you should see some of the downpours we get in, in uh, El Paso. Just, we don't get a lot of rain in that it doesn't rain often. But, but when it cuts loose, it cuts loose and comes down the mountains and Rips roads out, literally, and all kinds of crazy stuff. But anyway, also, um, what, what do you get when pigs play tug-of-war? You know what tug-of-war is, right? Pull on the rope, pull on the rope. You know what you get, right? Pulled pork. Isn't that a great one? Now I'm done. And what a lead into a message tonight. Amen. Your hearts are now soft and tender toward the things of the Word of God. Amen. So, um, 2 Kings chapter 6. A lot of the messages that God speaks to my heart about, a lot of the passages of Scripture, are those that bring my life back into perspective. Kind of puts my life right back in front of my eyeballs and makes me examine myself. And that um, this is one of those passages that has done that for many years. And I've preached this several times um, at our church back in South Dakota, different places. But um, I want to just preach a message. Maybe you're familiar with the passage, the miraculous restoring of the axe head. Kind of remember that story? Young man chopping trees down and lost the axe, lost the axe head. I'm assuming this is community water again. Maybe I'll start singing like Brother Tim if this is water he drank from. So let's look there in 2 Kings uh, chapter 6. 
And uh, we'll read down through those first. So, Brother Tim, do you have them stand typically when you're reading? And then you leave it up to the preacher. If you're able to, let's stand for the reading of the word. And I understand if you're not able to, that's not a, it's not a problem at all, okay? Second Kings chapter 6, and let's read, uh, you follow along as I read down through those first seven verses, okay? The Bible says, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Now, that kind of means something a little different to us today. You're too straight-laced for me. That's not what that's talking about. Straight is narrow. It's, it's like, this get, it's getting a little too small. And we need to find a little bit more room is what they were getting at. So look in verse 2. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam. And let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, go ye. And here's uh, interesting to me, all the little details God puts in every one of these little stories. And one said, be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. My, that made a great fifth grade Sunday school class boys, Sunday school class story. And you should see the little fifth grade eyeballs staring at you when you're telling how that iron swam. Boys have a vivid imagination. They see arms spreading out on the side of that, swimming. But God somehow brought that, uh, that axe head up to the surface. And then verse 7, Therefore said he, Take it up to thee, and he put out his hand and took it. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for letting us be back in church tonight. It sure is a blessing to be back in the house of God with God's people. There's not a better place in the world that we could be tonight than right here uh, with a body of believers in the house of God and with the God of the house watching over us. So bless the message tonight. Open our hearts. May you uh, just keep your hand upon me as I preach this tonight. And I'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Okay, so the first thing we see uh, in this text is the disciples of Elisha begin to realize they need to expand their building. By the way, how many of you ever, I've got an idea, probably several, uh, have ever used an axe or a hatchet, an axe or a hatchet, okay? And you, you've got an idea how those work. And, and those of you that use an axe probably have a pretty good idea what happened in this story. How could something like that happen? What would make an axe head fall off? And I, I'm very familiar with that because I have a, an axe in my garage at this time. Whenever I'm using that axe, I don't let anybody out in front of me until I can get that thing fixed up. So I think you've got an idea what was taking place here. So again, we can see that these young men came to their, their prophet, Elisha, and they said, look, you know, the, the place where we're meeting at, it's pretty small. And um, any man, guys, what you need to know and understand about Elisha any man with any kind of desire for the things of God would have wanted to go and live with Elisha. I mean, uh, to learn the ways of God from him because there's something about that man. He just had a burning heart for the things of God. 
He had a fire in his words and in his miracles. And any young man that just felt the slightest little calling, that maybe I should be one of those prophets. Man, they're like, I'm going down to the school of Elisha. And the school was obviously growing. And uh, more and more young men were probably coming in. And uh, I'd say growth is a good reason to consider any expansion program. Amen. And uh, Brother Tim and I, was uh, he showed me the Quonset. Is that what you call it, a Quonset? And talking about some of the possibilities maybe there and some of the things your folks are looking to do back here, some of the things you've already done back here. Man, you've got a beautiful building. You really do. And you guys that have been around church as much know that not every church basement looks like you guys have down there. That is nice. It's fixed up really good. And you've obviously done some constructing around this place, which is wonderful. And there's been a need for it, obviously. And so God pricked your hearts and you guys decided it's time to do something about it. And down through the years, guys, when you look at over 76 years and some of you that have been here uh, through many of those years have seen and understood, there have just been times like you're not meeting in the Quonset anymore for some reason. And you're meeting in this bigger place here, roomier, more spacious and beautiful and so forth. But God has really blessed and worked in this church's life and brought you guys to this place. And God only knows where you'll be 10 years from now, what God's going to do with this church. But um, for them to be able to do what they were going to do, I, I want you to know and understand. And one of the words that was listed in our, in our text was, every man was going to have to go and get involved. And before I left to come here, I underlined those two words. And somewhere between uh, the motel and here, somebody erased those words right out of my Bible. Make us pleasure. And somebody find where it says every man in verse 2. Look, there it is. Look with me in verse 2. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan and take thence every man a beam. Oh, I underlined it in my notes, not in my Bible. (laughs) That's why. It's not uh, in my Bible right now. So uh, I think that, like I said, God puts details in the Bible that if you're kind of like in a hurry with your devotions and you're just reading to get done for the day and check off a list, did that one, now I'm on my way, you're going to miss a whole lot of things God puts in the Bible. And the Bible was clear. God told them, at least it's in the Word of God, that every man was supposed to get involved. How many of you believe that the best projects are done when every hand is on deck? Amen. When everybody that's capable and able to, uh, you understand what I mean when I say that, that it's uh, all hands on deck is some of those words I've heard for years and get everybody involved in, man, the camaraderie is just tremendous. Fellowship is sweet. And even when you smash your thumb, it's just like you forget about it quicker and you have such a good time in fellowship and the job gets done so much quicker. But while they're talking about all this, one of the men realized that they needed the man of God with them, and they begged him to go with them, and he agreed to go. Now, that's a big deal to me as we work our way on down through our message here tonight. So, Elisha, he gives his stamp of approval. He says, guys, let's go. We'll do that. And every man was to go down to Jordan. Every man was supposed to cut down a beam and take it to the building site and get started with this, with this building program, all right? So guys, here's, here's what we need to see here if we're going to relate this to us more than just a cute little story in the Bible. 
we have a picture of God's or of the Christian life today. Every one of us are all servants in the building program uh, of the kingdom of heaven. Could we all say amen to that? Every one of us are involved in the building program in the kingdom of heaven. And it's stunning that God would place us, somebody like us, in his service. Um, But he has. Elisha, being a type of God in this story, he's approved of their work, and then most importantly, he agrees to go with them. What you need to understand is Elisha, in our story tonight, is a type of God. He's a picture of the Lord. He's the man of God, and I understand that. But when you step back and look at the bigger picture, he's really a a symbol of God himself. And I'm just wondering tonight, how many of us have ever tried to serve God without his presence with us? I mean, mean, it might have even been a godly project, something that was uh, for the church, and man, I went diving headlong into that thing, and, and I was going to make sure this thing got done, and I put all my sweat and my energy into that thing, and it just fell flatter than a pancake. Amen? Anybody else ever been there? I hate going somewhere without God. Now, I understand. I'll never leave thee. I'll never forsake thee. I understand that. But you know what it's also like to know that his presence is right there beside you. And you can sense the presence of God. You can feel the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through your life. He gives thoughts to you that become clear. Things that were difficult, he seems to just clear up for you. And I've been there too many times where I just did not have the presence, or maybe I should put it this way, the blessing of God on that thing. And I ran headlong into a project or something even things like our, our um, marriages or, or relationships with people or uh, things that we're just so determined in life we're going to do. Let me just tell you, determination is not equal to the leadership of God. But determination with the hand of God on any kind of my projects or something I want to do, you're going to find some tremendous success. And this, this young man turned around to him and said, you know, you've given us your blessing. You've told us to go ahead and go. Will you go with us? Before I ever step out of my house on Sundays, I know I'll be stepping into a Sunday school class. I'll have, oh, 35 uh, or close to 40 some. um, I get to teach the seniors in um, our uh, church, and uh, I I must fit the bill. (laughs) My hair color and all the other things seem to match perfectly with that. And I know those folks have been in the house of God, most of them, most of their life. And I also know this that you get some guy comes bouncing up behind the platform and ready to teach them the word of God, buddy, because I've studied the word and I'm going to learn them something today. But if he's not spent some time with God and he goes running up to that platform without God, it's a pretty flat Sunday school lesson. There's people sitting out in our, uh, in our Sunday school class, one gentleman in particular, his brother's son um, on the east side of Texas, I can't remember if he's a policeman or a highway patrolman, was driving to work, and uh, oddest thing in the world, a pine tree fell over. I don't know if the wind was blowing. I don't know what had happened. A pine tree fell over across the road, landed on his car, and snapped his neck. Uh, a week later, another nephew of his, I forget what, was, what it was that happened to him, but it was just as tragic as that one. And Jim's going to be sitting in our Sunday school class back there on Sunday morning. And he doesn't need somebody that comes running in, just just him. 
without God. He needs to know that uh, there's a word coming from God and that God's blessing is on what's said and done. I, I, can't, I, I know I could go into a, a, a lot of detail here tonight. I'm going to say to the husbands here tonight, your wife and your family needs to know that you're a man that walks with Jesus and that what you do, you, you try to do it with all that you can with the hand of God on you. They need to know that you're, you say, well, I'm just human. I understand that. But uh, so much the more we need God walking alongside of us. To the mamas here tonight, you, your little ones need to know that mama spends time with God. Have your kids ever walked in and interrupted your prayer time? Have they ever seen you in your Bible reading and know that my mom and daddy want to spend time with Jesus and it's important to my mom and daddy that God walks alongside of them? And on and on we can go with uh, going to work and, and the, the different things that we do. Walking into church, sitting down to hear the word of God preached, you need to have your heart prepared and ready. You need to know that God is with you. Have you turned around before you walk out the door and say, God, I don't want to walk this alone? Almost every day before I leave the house, I'm holding my hand out saying, God, take me by the hand. Please lead me and walk me through this day. I don't want to walk alone. This young man understood the importance of having uh, the man of God alongside of him and uh, didn't want to go there without the presence of God with him. And I'm just going to say it, your greatest need tonight, no matter who you are or what you're doing for God, your greatest need is for God to go with you in your service for him. I know what it's like again to serve God without his guidance and it's the most miserable Christian service you will ever do trying to serve without God on what you're trying to do. Psalm 127 and verse 1. I've got an idea I can get the verse started and you'll probably finish it up. Except the Lord build the house. What? They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city the watchman waketh but in vain in vain. You can put a watchman on the wall, but if the eyes of God are not watching over that watchman, that city's still in as much trouble as if that guy had stayed in bed all night long. It needs the eye of God upon what we do. So whatever you do in service for God, guys, be sure you have God's hand on it. Amen. Number two, next thing we notice is that one of the young men lost the axe head. I've kind of been referencing that just a little bit, how that could possibly happen. And being meager in possessions, how many of you know that Bible college students aren't the richest ones in the whole wide world? I can't tell you how many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches I ate in four years in Bible college. And uh, other folks in church would tell me about the steak dinner they had the other night. And I had, well, I had peanut butter and jelly (laughs) and would go on and on. So being meager in possessions, this servant had to borrow an axe from somebody. We don't know who it was from, but it was obvious. He didn't have what it took to cut a tree down. He probably, in the area they lived, probably learned about some of the neighbor guys, some guy in construction or whatever, and went and borrowed this axe head. And probably the guy, I mean, even to a guy that was in construction, probably an axe was probably a very valuable possession. And I can just hear the gentleman saying, I'm going to loan this to you, but as soon as that job's done, you need to bring this back to me. Do you hear me, young man? That young guy's probably like, yes, sir, I I guarantee you I will bring it back. How many of us have made that promise and uh, said it in such haste? So he had to borrow it, and as he was chopping away, as we read in the story here, there goes the axe head, it goes flying off in the air. And what's worse, it didn't just fly off, plopped into the river. 
and into the water. And uh, obviously, I'm guessing the water was deep. Maybe the river was flowing. I'm not sure how strong it would have been at that time. But listen, the axe head, guys, it has the cutting edge to enable that young man to do his work. Without uh, the axe head, he's not going to get anything done. We understand those things. But what, what is that a picture of? If we're going to apply it to me and you tonight, and here's where God began to hack on my heart a little bit, uh, this is a clear picture of the power or the influence of God on the life of a Christian. It's the way God can work through me. It's the cutting edge of the Christian's life. It's, it's not the nominal Christian life that just kind of yawns their way through life, never really trying to accomplish a whole lot for God. But this person has spent time with the Lord. They told God, I don't want to go without you, Lord. God, may the hand of the Lord be upon me. And they've begun to see some things happening. They've begun to see chips flying, if I can put it that way. You've begun to influence people's lives. You've seen people maybe coming to church every now and then that you've invited. Or they've taken a gospel track and begun to read that. Maybe so-and-so has begun to ask you questions about the things of God. Or maybe just your family, you've noticed how much more unified you've become. And that cutting, listen to me, the cutting edge of God was at work in your life. And you just knew, I'm so blessed God is using me. I'm so humbled by the fact that God would use uh, and influence anybody's life through me. So that axe head is the cutting edge of the Christian's life. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And if you want to flesh your way through the Christian life, you can do that, but that's a miserable thing to do. I'd rather have the demonstration of the Spirit of God as that piercing edge in my life, knowing that I've got some kind of influence in my life, that the guys at work are noticing there is something different about my life. Praise the Lord. And I'm seeing God use my life. That's, that's such a blessing. One of the saddest statements I read in the Bible is when Samson had told Delilah where his great strength lie or lay, <clears throat> and she'd cut his hair off. Remember this story? She put him to sleep. And how many times has she already done this? You'd think somebody's skull would be not so thick that three and four times, you know, play around with where my real strength lies. And she had his hair cut off. And when, you know, she did it again, when she cried, Samson, the Philistines be upon thee. The Bible said he jumped up as he had before, many times before. And listen to verse 20 of Judges 16. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. You remember this phrase? And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. You know what it was like saying? He didn't even know that the power of God had been taken away from him. He didn't even know that the influence that God had in that man's life and how he was able to influence Israel and win many battles because the hand of God was on that life He had no idea when he jumped off off of the lap of that woman and ran outside that he was just a little weakling like everybody else. And guys, there's a lot of everybody else's. Do you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of Christians that just don't care. And it just doesn't matter to them if they have the power of God on them or not. And they're content to just, again, yawn their way through the Christian life. They go to church and they sing the songs. And we know how to dress for church, right? 
But if that influence and the power of God has been taken away from us, it's a miserable, boring Christian life. And in Samson's case, it cost him his life because the influence of God had been lifted off off of him and he didn't even know it. How many times has that happened with you and me? Can I just say this to you tonight? The talents and the influence that you have for the cause of Christ did not come from you. It's borrowed. If you've got some kind of influence in somebody's life and you've noticed that even in the slightest of ways, God's begun to use you and maybe you can look back in life at times where, man, the Lord's hand was on me and I just knew the hand of God was on me and things were happening and I I just couldn't believe that I I was able to do this and -and so-and-so would come to me and ask me questions about God and about the Bible and so forth. And and, uh, I'm just telling you tonight, here's what you need to know. You didn't come up with that yourself. I I like that old saying, if you see a turtle on a fence post, just know he didn't get there by himself. Somebody had to pick that turtle up, amen? And if you had any kind of influence in somebody's life, and if there's ever a time in your life when you knew the hand of God was working in my life and I could tell the Lord was doing something, it was because that was borrowed from someplace other than from you. And we know where that comes from, amen? Nothing else than the hand of God. <clears throat> God's the one that told us, if I draw nigh to him, he would draw nigh to me. But it's just as clear. He's going to resist the proud and withhold his blessings and the influence that we once had in his service. If I'm walking out here in pride and in my flesh and I'm lackadaisical about my walk with God and I just don't care if I'm that influential of a, of a person any longer. I'm content to live my life this boring way. Now, you'd never say those words. But your actions will portray that. I know that. Personally, I know that. Back to the young prophet. Now, how is he going to face the man that he borrowed that axe from? How is he going to face him? Young man, you be sure to bring that back to me. Sir, don't you worry. I'm going to take the best care of this axe. I promise you I'm going to do that. And again, no doubt, he had assured him in no uncertain terms, I'm going to take care of this. And so he's devastated. I mean, shaking devastated. Let's go into what I think really happened here. Uh, Those of you that ever used an axe and have used one to any length of time may have had this happen to you. Um, You'll work with that axe and you'll be chopping with it. You'll notice the head is angled like it shouldn't be. Now you can grab the axe head and pull it back down. You start to realize that thing's loose a little bit in there. But I'm I'm getting close to being done, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hurry up and I'm gonna try try to finish this up and keep on chopping, keep on chopping. And before you know it, that axe head's slipping off pretty pretty much. My dad taught me I could do one of two things to prevent that. Dad said, "Bub, you can get a little nail wedge and drive it in the top of that." And, and try to, you know, spread the wood out a little further down in the top of the head the, where the axe handle comes up through. You can drive a nail down in there, and it'll spread the wood, grip it a little tighter, or if you know when you're going to go out and chop wood, the night before, stick your axe head in a bucket of water. You know what that'll do. The wood will swell, and it'll grip that axe head a little bit stronger. <clears throat> but the young man obviously had noticed. Maybe he didn't notice, but I've got an idea. It's pretty hard. Not to notice when an axe head is starting to slip a little bit. It'll hang on for a little while. 
But he had a job to get done and everybody else was working away and he didn't want to be uh, showed up, shown up by his, uh, his buddies out there. And so he probably just kept chopping away. And the axe head went flying and it landed in the water. You know what we have a lot of today? We have a lot of Christians today swinging an axe handle, but they long time ago lost the axe head. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm going to just keep on looking like I'm working. And you know what, guys, from a distance, if you'd have stood there and watched the young man, and he's swinging away from a distance, you probably couldn't tell. He keeps whacking the tree. Sounds like he's chopping wood. And again, from a distance, he's just one of the, uh, uh, the old boys out there working away. He's one of the bunch. Just like a lot of Christians today, guys, walking around with a stick in their hand and the power and the influence of God long time ago went flying off somewhere. The ability that we had to be able to compassionately, brokenheartedly talk to somebody about the Lord, give somebody a gospel track and go home that night and beg God to touch the heart and soul of those people. People at work again noticing something different about us. Maybe your spouse saying to you, honey, I appreciate the walk that you have with God, I, I, it makes me jealous of how you, you, you pray and how you read the word of God or whatever it might be. And, and now, instead of having that power and influence of God in your life, you're just walking around with a stick. You still show up at church. Like I said a while ago, we still sing the songs. Uh, at, at home, our Bible's right there on the coffee table. And uh, we've got everything that looks just right, but nothing for God's sake is really happening. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not the only one that knows what that feels like, am I? To lose the power and the influence of God on your life is a miserable thing. So he cried out to the prophet and told him what had happened and what was worse, that it hadn't even, didn't even belong to him. It was borrowed. So then you've got the prophet. Graciously he shows up and miraculously restores the axe head. And it's quite a story. I don't care what grade. You don't have to be a fifth grade Sunday school boy. You can be a 67 year old preacher and love what you read about in this story. So the first thing, everybody still with me tonight? We're all still good and awake after a, a nice big lunch this afternoon, right? The first thing the prophet asks him is this, where did you lose it? Where'd this happen? I could just see that <clears throat> That young prophet running over to the river. Come here, come here. I'll show you right where it happened. He's still wringing his hands. And he runs over to the side of the river and on the muddy bank right here. And, and he points right down to the water. And you know how the water's rippling and running. And they can't be exactly sure. But he said, I know. I heard it plop. It was right under this tree limb. It dropped right there. And he's looking at the prophet of God, the man of God, and saying, that's where I lost it. It was almost like, what can we do about it? It's so deep in the water. Now what am I going to do? Listen, guys, the cutting edge this young man had didn't come from himself. Remember that? It came from somebody else. And if he didn't get his power on his own, he wasn't going to get it back on his own either. It was going to take a miraculous merciful hand of God to get it back. And that's what it took, a miracle to get that back. Can you just see this young man uh, reaching down into the water and pulling it back up and standing there with such relief on his face? I, I can't believe that just happened. I, 
you, you, you took a stick and threw it in the water, and, and I looked in the water. I could see that thing swimming right up to the surface, and, and you told me, reach out and take it. And, and I reached out and took it, and oh, I get to go back and show the man that I've got his axe safe and sound. Oh, what a good day this is to gain the influence and the power of God back in somebody's life. Oh, what a day that is when God comes back and works in my life and begins to do tremendous things once again. Guys, listen tonight. I I don't know if you're here this evening with God's hand of blessing on your life or not. But you know. And if we just stop and look deep down inside tonight and, and just determine this is not just going to be another Sunday night message just to get up, you know, finished with and then we'll head on home like we always do. I know the pattern of my life. No, don't let this just be another service. Would you stop there and sit there and think tonight, am I somebody here with an axe handle over my shoulder and I don't have the influence? I don't have the power of God on me like I used to. I know that God's not able to use me like he used to. There's just something that's not right in my life. I've, I lost the influence. Oh, but I'm faithful. And everybody else here looks at me and thinks I'm just one of the bunch. I'm just as faithful as the next person here tonight. But if the truth be known, the influence, the power of God, as large or small as it might have been in my life at one time, is gone. It's just not working in me like it used to before. Only, friend, only you know if you've allowed some things to slip into your life. Little bit at a time, loosening the axe head. Uh, bit by bit, and that power and the influence of God in your life begin to slip away from your life. It may have been at a weak place in your life. Please hear what I'm saying. It may have been at a weak time in your life when you let your guard down. Whatever it was. But friend, you know where you lost your power, your influence with God, the, the godly influence that you once had. And you know what God is asking us tonight? He already knows the answer. But where did you lose it? I still hear the voice of the prophet looking at that young man. And I've got an idea. The prophet could have walked right over and said, you lost it here, didn't you? But he didn't do that. He said, I want you to show me where you lost it. Walk me over there. Take me through this step by step. And I just kind of can hear the, the, the young prophet talking as he's heading over to the river. Man, I knew it was loosening up. I knew something wasn't right with it. I should have stopped and done what I, I, I knew I should have done, but I, I didn't stop. And I, he gets over to the river and he said, I lost it right here. It's the very place I lost. The cutting edge. My ability to have any kind of productivity in the service of God. And I want it back so bad. I don't want to go through life carrying an axe handle. I don't want to go through this life. I don't want to let all the other guys over there be the guys chopping wood and building the house and I'm standing there with an axe handle over my shoulder. <clears throat> Somebody says, I, Preacher, if you just knew, if you knew what I know, you'd know. There's no way I can have his grace and power and influence in my life again. It would take a miracle. I got real good news tonight. I know the miracle worker. And all he's asking tonight is, would you just take me to where you lost that influence? Why don't you just walk with me back to the place in your life 
You could have just grown lazy. You could have just said, you know, I've done so much in life, I'm, I'm tired, and I'm weary, and I'm going to lay the axe handle down, and I'm let everybody else do the work. And I'm not talking about just the hard, heavy work that's to be done in construction and stuff. I'm talking about just being an influence in people's lives and witnessing and sharing the gospel and passing out tracts and all kinds of things that God could use you for. God wants every one of us in service for the Lord. It was clear the man of God said to that young prophet, let every man go down by the river and cut down a beam and let every man bring a beam and we're going to build us a work of God. Seventy-six years at this place and done tremendous work. Now, are you going to yawn your way through the next however many years? You're going to pick up that axe handle and say, God, I've got to have a sharpened edge, and if that's going to happen, I need your influence in my life. And if God says to you tonight, come on, let's take a little trip. Would you walk me back to where, if, if it's possible, I don't know your lives. Really, I don't know your lives. I've enjoyed getting to know you a little bit here this weekend, but I really don't know you. And God does. And if there's something that has robbed you of a cutting edge, not just your presence in a building, that has robbed you of a cutting edge for God, are you willing to walk him back to that place? Say, God, I want to do work. I want to do business with you. And like we read this morning, I don't care what eyeball is staring at me. My eyes are on you. And I need, I need to do business with God tonight. I, I want the power and the influence of God working in my life. Let's just do this if we can. Let's go ahead and stand together tonight. If we could, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we're going to have a, a, a few verses of invitation.